This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is so easy to play. You just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN, that's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. Again, that's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, guys? You are listening to episode 58 of the House of Hockey podcast. I am one of your hosts, Breezy. And I'm your other host, Ray Ray. And this week we have a big time guy in the house. I think you'd like that. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Andy Zilch, he is the play-by-play broadcaster for the San Diego Goals, and he's worked with a ton of other teams uh, in the league and I guess multiple leagues, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, lots of them. Yep. From St. Louis. So big blues fan. Naturally, Um, I can say I roll because Blackhawks blues rivalry. But anyway, he um, shares some really, really good stories about his time, you know, traveling with the team and seeing uh, Zegris play and being able to interview him and just sort of a look at his life and the things he's done as a as a play-by-play announcer and his strategy of how he calls games is really interesting and i think you're gonna enjoy the conversation (laughs) i think so and i found out that he eats carrots for breakfast yes he does (laughs) we found that out and i think that's really weird because i feel like carrots are not a breakfast food no i'm I'm gonna go ahead and say say no but if andy means... would disagree he does disagree <laughs> and but, you. yeah it was uh there's lots of fun fun facts in the, that interview coming up but we have so many things we have to talk about um you 
finally got your <laughs> your auction I items. I did. And I told you not to show me or tell me until this very moment. So just quickly remind everybody what it is that you won and then show me what you got. Yeah, so I uh, just went bid crazy and I decided that after the second bid uh, on a couple items that I probably should stop and not bid on everything. And I actually ended up winning two items. Uh, one of them just so happens to be a Roman Yossi signed, um, what is this? A uh, score, score sheet. Oh, <gasps> okay. So that's, that's really cool. cool. It's actually really, really cool. I've never seen uh, anything like this uh, before. So his name's on here twice. Uh, Evander Kane's name is on here. Kyle Turris. Uh, lost my headphone. I was just so excited. Uh, Philip Forsberg, Brent Burns, and uh, Dante Fabro. So there's a lot of names on here. It's pretty sick. That is cool. Pretty sick. That's and then cool. the... Uh, okay, and then the other yeah. thing was like a banner, but we didn't know what size the banner was going to be, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. no. It's going to be really small, isn't it? I feel like I need to take you outside. <gasps> just kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just oh, kidding. Just my kidding. God. <laughs> I'm going to do a... I'll do it right here. It's a nice... It's a nice size. It's, it's about <gasps> five and a half feet tall, maybe. You can't even see all of it uh it is signed it's just a little faint you can kind of see it up there <gasps> but yeah it's a good i mean it's almost as tall as i am i'm like crazy so that's yeah. a good banner that's pretty sick right it's a really good banner <laughs> yeah you were right heavy duty you said you thought it was going to be one that wraps around the poles and the inside right wasn't yeah. that one of yeah. your predictions yeah it was yeah so it, it's definitely something it's Where cool. are you going to put it? Honestly, man, I don't even know. <laughs> That's so cool. That's a cool banner. Yeah, it's cool. I think I might hang it up behind my door, like in my room, because my door's always shut when I'm in there, so like I could still uh, enjoy it. But, but uh, yeah, it's pretty sick. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, you... I don't know which one I like more, the, the scorecard or the, the banner. I think they're both phenomenal. They're both I phenomenal. I think so, too. I'm gonna have like a shrine in my room now, which is awesome. So, you know yeah. what? I think it should be. Yeah, I think it Why should not? be. Okay, good. I was gonna. Oh my god, you got me good. I thought it was gonna be like <laughs> massive, and then at first I thought it was gonna be really dinky and small. I yeah. bet's the you nailed it. I nailed Auction, it. Auction, good luck, worth it. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I'm I'm very happy. I knew you were gonna love it. I was like, man, should I prank her? Should I like try to do it like to scale and like take a picture of the back of my house and like have this thing like Photoshop stretched down? I don't know, but it's fine. I have a paranormal story for you. Okay. Did it happen recently? Something... Oh yeah, girl. Oh yeah. Oh it happened in the middle of my client's show that I produce for her um, every week, all of a sudden, Ringo, this goes to what happened last week that I told everybody about, how Ringo just started barking at the ceiling light. Well, yeah. I am going to just bootleg show you this video here so you can react, and then I'll edit in the clip. But I, I whipped out my phone so I could record it so you all could see whether or not we have um a ghost 
He was growling and he's like just looking up. Just that's a little the, weird. There's nothing. Yeah. That's a little weird. And then he was then he was barking. I missed the barking, but I at least got the, the low growl. Clearly point looking yeah. at nothing. The other dog's not paying any attention. That ghost is back. Wow. Our guest has one too. Yes, well, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. He thought he didn't, but Andy realized he did. I think you should save a story. Okay, I'll save a story. I decided that I was going to spend um, some money. Uh, and I spent 80 bucks on books. A bunch of crazy books. And I'm currently reading Helter Skelter. Um, on brand for me, because I obviously... Uh, the Manson murders happened basically in my backyard. So, uh, yeah. I'm a little worried about you, Breezy. <laughs> it's all better than watching TV. True. However, all those books are about serial killers. I mean, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's funny. I posted a, a little video and I had like five people reach out to me and they're like, I'm so excited that there's another one of us. Okay. Like another person who's like obsessed with learning obsessed, about it. Yeah. Okay. And then everyone was saying, like, have you watched this show on Netflix? Do you need to read this book? Like, did you hear about this? Read this article. Everybody is so supportive of like okay. learning. Because you know what? I will tell you, when you're reading about certain things like that in your everyday life you're more like aware of your surroundings, which I think is very important. I agree. I agree. Yes. And yeah. I do know that obviously this genre is very popular or else there wouldn't yes. be all these docu-series and people are fascinated with things that are not like themselves. You know, that podcast serial, I mean, I listened yep. to it. It was very fascinating. Uh, it is very intriguing. We love a good mystery. We do love a good mystery. <laughs> we love a good mystery but uh yeah okay well i'm gonna yeah. just keep an eye on you and <laughs> make sure <laughs> that you don't you know like I'm, I'm glad i live in maine and nowhere close to la anymore well you have my address so like i'm fucked I either do. way so yeah. <laughs> you do just kidding um no but the other hockey thing I really wanted to talk about, I have a shut the front door. I mean, well, first of all, we missed like all the trade news because it happened mm -hmm. before we put out last week, but um, I've talked about it a ton um, on my social media and fun fact for everybody. If you guys aren't watching my lives that I do every week on view, you're seriously missing out because TJ Oshie was in the chat of my last one. Whoa. So, just, you know, that's, I feel like I have to brag about that, right? That's pretty good. Or do that's I delete cool. this out of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> no? No. That's okay. pretty cool. 
He's not in it all the time, but he was in the last one, and I was doing Capitals trivia, and that was fun. Does he uh, engage with people in the chat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. He was, like, answering people's questions. He was playing along with the trivia, you know, so you just never know who's going to pop into one of my lives. Never know. Um, but we were talking about the trade deadline. That was the whole point of the story. And I was recapping some of the, the wins and losses. And I gotta say, I just don't understand Taylor Hall's choices. Like, why did he even go to Buffalo in the first place? Now he got to choose to go to Boston. They don't want him there. Like, and because he's not going to stay. Because well, his contract thing, is up again, and he's not going to stay. So, like, yeah, I, I well, just I he wish... did a video on uh, TSN Trade Center. He had like a video right after he was traded, and he said that he originally wanted to go to Boston before Buffalo, but something had happened and it didn't work out. Okay, and he didn't want to discuss any details, but he originally wanted to go there, and then he ended up uh, going to um, Buffalo. Did I say Buffalo before? I think so. He originally yeah. wanted to go to Boston. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up in Buffalo because it didn't work out in Boston. And he wanted things to go different in Buffalo, but it obviously didn't. And then there was a bunch of memes that came out after. And he's what he he's wearing number 71, I think it is. Right? Yeah. And they were like, Taylor also elected to wear 71 because that's represents how many teams he's played for. <laughs> I know, I saw that. <laughs> Or did you see him, like, his face on, like, the Grim Reaper, and it had, like, all the different yes. team doors? <laughs> yeah, just him moving on. Yes. I did. I mean, it's funny, but, like, I do feel bad for him because he is really talented, and he just clearly hasn't found the right team and the right place for him and his skill set. And I'm just, like, I don't know that Boston is the answer and then there was rumor that he might be going to Seattle, which would make perfect sense. Yeah. So he's just like, whatever, I have to get the F out of Buffalo. Jackie is, I'm calling him Jackie. I don't think that's Eichel's nickname, but I've made it his nickname. Um, like Jackie boys, you know, out and that team and the ownership is just a we know is just really struggling and so i understand wanting to get out of there and like try to have a better season so that you know he has like not been playing very well taylor hall anyway in buffalo so hopefully he improves but i think he's just having some struggles because he didn't play very well with arizona either Mm -mm. he didn't play well he did well because he was selected first overall and then Tyler Sagan was second overall in that same draft year, right? Yeah, he played really well with Edmonton, I I want to say, I believe. But then when he was traded to the Devils, he didn't really play that hot. So it's like where, if you look at him compared to Tyler Sagan, although I know Sagan's not playing and he hasn't had a, a good last couple seasons, but it's just uh, makes me wonder a little bit, like what's going on in his head and he's, he's been with so many other teams like what is it that he's missing or what is it that he needs to add to his game Mm -hmm. or his teammates need to have in their game to make him be the player that he he should be I agree and I just fact checked while you were talking 2010 he was selected first overall Taylor Hall in the draft but 
Yeah, I think they're I think all of those points you just made are exactly what's not happening and why yeah. it's not working for him. And let's see where he ends up at the end of this season. I don't think he'll he's not staying in in Boston. They can't afford to pay him. I don't think they have the room to pay him and I think Seattle would be a great place for him. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about was the awesome moment from the Pittsburgh Penguins equipment manager who Ooh. assisted the Crosby goal. <laughs> uh, well, kind of, sort of. But he uh, lost his stick. Uh, no, Sydney broke his stick. Um, maybe not. Either way, he didn't have a stick. <laughs> And the equipment manager, John Tagliatelli, there we go. Sorry, I was reading it and pronouncing it at the same time. Tagliatelli handed the stick, you know, over the bench in epic fashion. And um, Sydney scored. Breakaway, got the stick. Pretty cool, right? It is cool. And actually... The same kind of play happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which was also really cool. They just did a side-by-side on NHL a couple days ago. Um, Really cool, too. And it's interesting how you don't really think on the back end of things like equipment managers. You think, okay, you're going to fix a skate. You're going to tape up a stick if they need a new stick or whatever. But they're constantly watching, and they have to know. I mean, when Mitch Marner went like this, that could be a line change for all anyone new, Right. right? Right. And so, you know, hand out a stick, he goes and gives the assist to a, an awesome goal that happened by, I want to say, Austin Matthews, right? Uh, I don't I, know. I think that, that was the play. Okay. I think that was the play. So, but it's really cool. Sure. And what was the coolest thing, too, is both Sid and Mitch Marner both pointed to their equipment manager yes. the second the goal had happened, which exactly. is really cool. Exactly. So, uh, Breezy Barbecue Pit, I, I'm going to make a tomahawk steak. And I saw this recipe, and I'm going to try it because we have uh, some people coming over tomorrow. It is a prosciutto-wrapped brie that I'm going to smoke and then top with some honey. Oh, girl, you know I love anything Italian, including prosciutto. Yes. Oh, let me know how that goes. That sounds That's what we're going on. Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, and the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy is brought to you by the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the same here alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag same here global mental health movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the band-aid off the topic in a real way. Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. 
Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real long form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience. This week, we have Andy Zilch in the house. He is the TV and radio play-by-play broadcaster for the San Diego Goals. And prior to the Goals, Andy was the play-by-play broadcaster for the AHL Springfield Falcons and the ECHL's Greenville Road Road Warriors. Wow, that was a little bit of a tongue twister. Andy Zilch, welcome to the house. Let's skip past all the COVID restrictions. Obviously, there's a lot of COVID restrictions that you are not skipping. But, like, give us the, like, what would you have done maybe without COVID? Uh, do you go to morning skate? you, you know, talk to players? you do any interviews? Like, that kind of thing on a, well, on a game day. Yes. Yeah, I, I would always have, uh, after morning skates, one-on-one interviews or... Um, you know, it, it, it makes it sound bad, but it's, it's the way it is. It's the nature of the business. You kind of hang out by the locker room and, you know, you have conversations with players, you know, that's what broadcasters will do. And sometimes in the NHL, it's, it's a lot more organized because they'll just open the room where I don't want to just walk into a locker room and be like, all right, it's my time here. Like, you know, that's the players. Area. So I don't like going in there and, you know, if there's a question I'll ask, like, for example, I saw one of our players talking to opposing team goalie, and I knew that they were from the same town. They were separated by one year. So after the game, I asked them, I said, I know that you guys are from the same area. You know, what's the story there? So then he gave it to me. So those are the comings and goings that I can get now. Uh, it was a lot easier to access pre-COVID, obviously. Do you have a uh, favorite player that you've ever interviewed uh, or a favorite question you've ever asked somebody? Um, not question. Uh, in terms of players, uh, it's always it's always your veterans or your captains. Uh, it's just, 
you know, younger guys, they, they don't turn to be as conversational as some of the older guys, because obviously they're not as comfortable or, you know, they're still trying to learn how to conduct interviews. And sometimes interviews are just conversations. And I think some of the older guys get that. And it always tends to be the older guys on the team that, that are easier at that. Naturally, I will, I would, say, I would I will say though that, that Trevor Zegers uh, has really impressed me uh, because he has been the most uh, conversational interview that I've had with a rookie ever. Really? You can tell he's been doing that for a while. <laughs> and he's got a little bit of like charm. You can see like a little twinkle in his eye, I think. You might be able to see it. I don't <laughs> All right, Breezy and I can see that. You don't have to see that. Um, tell us. Next some time of the... he's going to walk up and be like, wait, can I see the twinkle in your eye first? <laughs> oh, come on, Andy's a professional. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about some of the players that you've seen come through both in the, you've worked in the ECHL and the AHL as a, as a play-by-play announcer and more. Uh, but tell us about some of the players you've seen come through um, that are now in the NHL. That's the best part of my job is seeing guys go from the minors to the pros. And I, I have a recent story that just occurred a couple days ago. Sam Carrick gets a call up and it wasn't even his first game. You know, he's played in the NHL for a handful of games, but the goals finished against Ontario. And uh, from El Segundo to Irvine, it's like 35 to 40 minutes. And uh, as soon as we got on the bus, all the players were like, hey, like, let's get Sammy on. Let's turn Sammy on. So we get him on. Sure enough, it was his first or second shift. He scores. And the bus just goes wild. Like, it was it was a fun moment. And, you know, we're all a bunch of cheerleaders for one another. And I think it's so much fun to see those guys go up. And even when I was in the ECHL, there'd be guys that I would take shine to. And I'm like, man, like, I really want to see this guy get to the NHL. Um, and you know, it, it hasn't happened as frequently as I've wanted it to. I want everybody to go to the NHL and stay there. Uh, and, uh, there have been a handful of guys who I have rooted for on a personal standpoint. Uh, and then obviously a professional standpoint of guys that I see put in hard work. So what sets goals games apart from, uh, you know, any other AHL team or even, I guess even NHL teams, cause I mean, the players are coming to and from the Ducks, mm. probably less than than more. Uh, but what sets the games apart? I, it's a simple answer is the crowd. Uh, I heard stories of, of the crowd here, and it's a massive arena, too. It, it, for minor league stadium, it seats 12,000. And that's tough to fill. I don't care what city you're in, to fill an arena that's 12,000 in a minor league city is quite an accomplishment. Hockey's been around here for a long time. Willie O'Ree played here, and we've had hockey here for as long as really anybody that's a hockey fan here can remember. And uh, I think that's really impressive that the fans continue to come generation to generation. And uh, not only do they come, but they're knowledgeable and they're passionate about it too. And you see so much galls, memorabilia, flags. Uh, t-shirts and, and shirts and uh, hats, everything that's you know being worn around grocery stores and things around the area. And, and I think that's what sets San Diego apart. Now, I've been fortunate enough to also broadcast in Utica, where it's a quarter of a scale, because the arena only sits 4,000. 
and hockey is live there, but it's a little bit different when you have 4,000 versus 12,000 roaring. Now, 4,000 seat arena does get pretty on top of you. So I've had a good experience on both sides of the ice, but I feel like the, the 12,000 and that big of an arena that sets everybody apart from, uh, from the golden No one else can do that. Do you have a, a memorable play that you've called throughout your career thus far? Three of them. First one, I'll do them in sequential order. First one was a uh, four overtime winner in the ECHL. Uh, it was, I think it was a game five winner. So it put the road warriors up three, two in the conference quarterfinals. And just a great series, too. And that was a great run. That took us all the way to the conference finals. Second one, uh, I think the goalie's name was David Leggio. And uh, there was a 2 on breakaway. The goaltender for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers turned around, knocked the net off, and then they were just awarded a penalty shot. So rather than have a 2 on it was a 1-on-0. And then Ben Rule came into play. He, he was named after the rule. You can't do that as a goaltender. Huh. And the funny thing, the funny thing about that play is our team was on the two on O. The players screwed up on the passing and it would have it would have just completely turned into nothing because the pass, the outlet pass didn't even work. And then the, uh, the third one would be uh an, wait, I'm sorry. The first one was three overtimes. The um the next one was four overtimes, Max Comfois scores uh against Bakersfield to beat the Condors game one the 2018 playoffs that four wow. overtimes is a long is a lot of time I was hungry <laughs> <laughs> nobody was bringing you snacks in the booth no there was nothing and uh it got to a point where my color guy and I like we were talking and we we're just like man this is and I don't even know if that was a televised game I think it was and we're just like there's got to be there's got to be something like we can do and order and like players are getting pizzas, but we're not going to go down and get pizza from players. You know, who are we? Right. So we're just like, what are we going to do? And then I, I, you know, that that's one of those nights where I'll never forget a lot of things that occurred during the course of that night. I remember after the game, we're walking back to the hotel because the hotel's basically connected to the arena. We're walking to the hotel. Fans were actually there. They made the trip up. So that goes back to the question you were talking about earlier. Uh, there was probably about 20, 25 fans, you know, cheering us as we walked into the hotel or cheering them players. I know. But, uh, we're walking in the hotel and one of our forwards was kind of a little bit ahead of us and we did catch up to him. And it was like somebody taped cement blocks on his legs. He just couldn't move. And he got in the elevator and he just threw his body up against the wall. And he's like, I can't wait to go to bed. And then the other guy and I proceeded to go to the only Taco Bell that was open in the area, which Taco Bell and Bakersfield, 2 a.m., kind of suspy. Oh, no. But hey, it was, it, was, it was the hand that we were dealt. Yep. Is and you true? lived to tell the tale. Yeah. Is it true that there's like a little button that you can click that like mutes your microphone so you can take a sip of water? Or did I just um, make that up? On TV games, there is, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah on the radio, it's, it's all... I mean, well, actually, when you get to the NHL, there is one for radio. Uh, okay. But in the minor leagues right now, if I'm on the radio, and I I had to sneeze like a couple weeks ago, so I just turned my microphone up, sneezed, and then turned it back down and kept going. 
what is what would you say is the biggest difference between the ECHL and the AHL from your I, I guess from your play by play, like your job as it's opposed to like the, the players, so to speak. I mean, I know yeah. that affects your job, but yeah, I, I'd say the speed and, and, you know, people always say the speed from the AHL to the NHL is a difference. I agree. You know, every level you go up, it's faster, but I feel like there's much more of a dramatic difference between the ECHL to the AHL than the AHL to the NHL. Because you can watch, you can sit there and watch AHL hockey. It's going to be good hockey. There's some ECHL hockey where it's just, I'm sorry, it's there's some plays that they're still trying to figure out. Mm. The password's not as crisp. And there's going to be some massive lulls in some games where they're just trying to get it together. So I feel like, and that's why you see AHL guys make the jump to the NHL, and you'll have a lot of guys play, you know, 10 to 20 games during the course of a season out of the AHL. You don't really see that a whole lot from ECHL guys to the AHL. Yeah. Well, speaking of the ECHL, I can only imagine the bus stories that you have from your time there. And Mm -hmm. you're now back on a bus with, even with the goals because of COVID, but you've been on planes with the team as well. So we would please like to hear a story that you can share about something funny that's either happened on a plane or on a bus and at any time in your career thus far. Well, the best one that I have is uh, is ECHL, Greenville Road Warriors. We were busing from Greenville to Estero, Florida, where the Florida Everblades play. And it's about a 12-hour trip, I think. And what we would do is we would always make those trips, whether it be to Florida or maybe to Kalamazoo or even uh, Wheeling, you know, we would always leave at night. So we would leave at midnight. We'd have sleeper buses, which I actually never mind. I, I actually hate coach buses on a long time versus uh, sleeper buses. Cause you can lay down. I cannot sleep sitting up. Right. Yeah. So I digress, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're making the trip down and, I'll give it to you from my vantage point because I think that's a hilarious vantage point. So I'm sleeping and it's like 2, 3 a.m. And I feel the rumble strips and I'm like, whoa, what is Bussy doing here? And I felt it twice. So we're definitely pulling over. And like, I'm kind of like starting to wake up a little bit. And like, he's a heavy set guy. So, and I'm sitting at the front of the bus. The way the bus is, it's separated. You got staff and maybe a rookie or two. And then there's a, a retractable door. And then you have the rest of the team. And for the most part, everybody had a bump. So bus driver gets off and very heavy guy. I can kind of feel the bus move because it's a large frame and going down the steps out of the bus. He gets back on the bus and he gets back on the road again. So I'm like, okay. So I start settling in again and getting ready to fall asleep. And it's no more than 15 seconds on the highway. He rumbles again. So I hear rumbles. Something's, something's going on here. And I kind of start to smell something. And I'm like, that, that doesn't smell right. Well, now he's hustling the bus. And it's like, I can feel it now. And he's like running down the steps. Well, our assistant coach gets up, follows him out. And now I'm kind of like, all right, I smell something. The assistant coach knows something's up. What's going on? Three seconds later, the assistant coach comes running on the bus. And he yells fire at the top of his lungs. Fire everybody off the bus now. Move, move, move. So this is when the chaos ensued. 
we had a guy come down from the Hartford Wolfpack that was the very first bunk when the where the door was. It's his first sleeper bus he's ever been on. He doesn't know where the button is to open the door. So he he's like searching the door well and he's trying to figure it out how to them in the back and they're like, it's there, it's there, hit it, hit it. So these guys are all like in a log jam trying to get off and separate from the back of the bus. Meanwhile, our six foot six defenseman rolls off the top of the bunk. He was on the highest bunk. He lands on the back of our five foot nine forward. So it's just like wearing him like a backpack. That crippled him. And keep in mind too, this is three o'clock in the morning. Some guys aren't dressed like oh, they're no. in the afternoon. So we all funnel off the bus. The bus fire eventually starts to die. And we have a set of guys. 25 men that are standing on the side of the road, some in their underwears, some not in their underwear, with a towel around them, with a blanket around them, waiting to see what happens. So imagine <laughs> seeing that as they're driving down the Florida Georgia line. That's a good story. <laughs> I just feel like if you're going to be on a sleeper bus, like you would probably like just suck it up and just sleep with some form of clothing on. Like why? <laughs> That means they're just very confident in their bodies and are not afraid to be butt naked on the side of a road in a broken down, with a broken down bus. So like more power to them. You know, that's how I see it. There's, there's one guy, I won't forget, I won't name him, but he was notorious. Like he wasn't even on the bus five minutes in the ECHL and he was already in. Like, dude, like, come just give us a minute, would you? Right. Like, calm down. Did you know that you wanted to be a play-by-play uh, broadcaster for hockey growing up? I knew I wanted to do something in hockey. I, mean, I grew up wanting to be a pro hockey player. I mean, that was uh, that was definitely a dream of mine. I mean, I see pictures of me as a kid, and I'm barely walking, and I have a hockey stick. So uh, it was always around me. You know, blues games were always on. And the original hockey fan in my family was actually my mom. Uh, my mom invited my dad to a few games and then got him hooked. And then, then it kind of trickled through my family. All of my, my immediate family loves it. Even my, my brother's wife and uh, my sister's husband, they love it too. So it's always a talking point when we're having family chats. But to answer your question, I wanted to be a hockey player. And uh, when I got to high school and you're not the best in high school, then you need to figure out a plan. It's not working. So I wanted to stay in the sport and I wanted to work for the St. Louis Blues in some capacity. And I was like, I'll try broadcasting. I always liked listening to the games when I was watching TV. And uh, I have a, a little joke that I, I tell people, and it is true. Like I, when I was playing Sega in NHL 94, my brother wouldn't want to play. I would start broadcasting it to annoy him to let me play. So it started early. Started real early. So what's, take us to a St. Louis game. I and mean, what are, what's the experience like with that? Uh, St. Louis Blues games are very unique because uh, I feel like, and every team has this, I, I don't get me wrong, but I feel like the Blues really embrace that, that bluesy type of atmosphere. I mean, there was some certain things that they had when I was growing up to, I mean, even a few years ago, they had a, a jazz singer named Charles Glenn who would 
sing to the crowd before the team would get on the ice and it would pump St. Louis blues fans up. Like what, what kind of jazz music would pump a blues fan? Well, he did it and he was loved by St. Louis blues fans. And he was also the anthem singer. They would play blues music. There's a song called the St. Louis blues that the blues would play after wins. And that to me is synonymous with great times, just like Gloria is now. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a unique setting, I feel. And uh, it, the St. Louis Blues in the Midwest doesn't really get enough credit for the work that they do. I mean, the Blackhawks do. They're starting to, especially with their resurgence out of the, the 2000s. But, um, you know, even Detroit, too, now that they've fallen off the table a little bit, uh, that's that's a historic franchise. And the Midwest does an excellent job. You also played hockey in multiple capacities, right? Growing up, and then how did that how or how does that influence your how you call the games? Uh, I feel like I can anticipate what's happening on the ice uh, more so. I, I, but I can't speak for other people, of course. But like, I feel like I have the anticipation of what's going to occur before it develops, and especially from a bird's eye view. I can see who's open, what the player's looking at, what decisions they can make, and if they make the wrong decision. <laughs> and you know, it's a talking point, too, between the color guy and I. You know, if we see something that should have unfolded or, you know, that that's always makes for great conversation on, on topics of, uh, you know, plays that are unfolding. So I feel like that has certainly helped my call uh, during the course of the years. And you did, what, roller hockey? Yes, I, pl- I started off playing ice, and then uh, I actually started roller in high school and then played roller in college. All, all is fun, though, and, and I made great friends with it, too, actually. I always wonder that, like, when you're not working but you're watching a game, like, art, like you're doing it in your head, or maybe you're doing it out loud, like, on your couch, just watching. <laughs> there, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, there's been times where I have on purpose, like, especially when the NHL bubble playoffs were going around, I was like, man, I haven't really done anything in a very long time. And, uh, you know, I'm always hopeful that an NHL job will open up. So I'm like, all right, let me watch this team and just practice a little bit. <laughs> so I did that during the bubbles, the bubble playoffs. Nice. Bringing it right back to the Sega days for you, except this time you're not trying to know your brother. <laughs> but right now, during normal times, I'm not. Like we, and, and when things are normal, like, uh, you know, 68 game schedule plus playoffs, and right now 44 games. It's more than enough for me. Do you have like a player's name that was like hard to say or memorable, or you know, any sort of like f- funny thing that has happened with a name? Because we all make mistakes and we butcher names and phrases on the regular here. So Definitely, you would be in yeah. good company if you had. <laughs> well, that's uh. I have, like, for sure. And uh, I got a, two stories for you. Recently, there's a, a Kings prospect, Moverari, who I just had. And it's not even that tough, but, like, for the first game, I, like, if I don't even want to go back and listen to it because I was all reading And, like, I was, yeah, I was butchering his pronunciation. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm not even going to call his name. Like, he's got the puck. I'm going to move it up ice. So I would skip his. I do have a story about a Russian defenseman who played for Utica. His name to us was uh, Andre Padan. I think that's what it was. And then, yeah, P-U-H, Padan. 
but it was spelled P-E-D-A-N. So when he got traded to Pittsburgh, he played for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, they called him P-Dan. And I'm like, where does this come from? Like he was Andre Pedan for four years with the Utica Comets and now he changes his name? That doesn't make sense. Like people, players do that, which is interesting. I mean, there's a, a goaltender for the Barracuda that did it. Uh, his name last year was Yosef Kornash and now it's Kosanach. There was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sakura. Andre Sakura, I think mm-hmm. it's Andre. He played for the Kings and he went by Sakura and then he was traded to the Oilers and now he's like Sakura. Yeah, hopefully his hips don't lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, exactly. Does, yeah. <laughs> do you have like a quintessential broadcaster phrase or do you, are you a fan of those or not? You know, like the top shelf mama where she hides the cookies, like, you know, anything like that. I'm (laughs) sure I butchered that too just now. Mama hides the cookies. Is that not the right saying? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's, it's... It's a famous call where he was like, it's in the top shelf where mama hides the cookies. Like, I think it's a Rangers game. It's from... Cookie Jar. There you go. See, uh, anyway, do you have something like that? (laughs) No, I actually despise catchphrases. Um, I mean, like, if I say it, like, I say it, but I I never have anything pre-planned in my broadcast ever. Uh, You know, the action, I was told when I was starting this, like, you can prep all you want, but the action is down there. That's what you're talking about. So, I don't know, and I've always felt like... uh, catchphrases you got to say it like if you if you do it once or you do it several times then you got to remember to do it and I don't want to remember to do anything I want to be as genuine as possible so uh, if it comes out like if mama hides the cookie jar up top and that's where the fuck goes then I might say it who knows but like I, I will never hear John making sure that I have to say something once abroad you're gonna say it and then you're gonna be like oh my god why did I do that <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Breezy, you have to keep going. <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Laugh break. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like we should go. I think you should give us a little bit of an insight into your life and career and, and what it's really been like for you moving to all of these different smaller cities and in towns and working long days and you know what's that like for you because it's it's very similar to um you know the schedule and the time and being away from friends and family like the players have i mean you're on the road with them so you know tell us what that's like for you that experience yeah it's uh do we have enough time because it's a long one so i i've uh I've lived in several different cities now. I, I left St. Louis to go to the ECHL, like we talked about with the Greenville Road Warriors. Uh, and I've had years of two. I, I've always had increments of two, except for this most recent team now, finally, with San Diego, where I finally put my hooks in a team. Uh, it's been two years in Greenville in the ECHL, and then uh, was able to jump up to the AHL directly after that, where I worked for the Springfield Falcons in Massachusetts. They got sold. They're now the Tucson Roadrunners, so I was left without a job. I was able to latch on with the Utica Comets and then found myself working for uh, the San Diego Gulls. So 
Uh, and then the two years also dates back to my internships where I spent two years with the St. Louis Blues. Prior to that was two years with the St. Louis Rams. And all four of those years were unpaid internships uh, with those pro sports. So uh, it's been tough. And uh, the moving boxes continue to get pulled out. And uh, I'm now living in Irvine uh, because that was just the easiest thing for me to do right now with the team temporarily playing here in Irvine. I needed to be where the team was. So uh, it was a tough move, but it was necessary. And what advice would you have for, you know, a young person kind of coming up and wanting to kind of fill the same shoes that you do? It's not happening overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was one thing where I, uh, you know, I, I had ideas in my mind where I could be like, oh, you know, maybe I could do minors for four or five years and, you know, maybe get the break. And, uh, I've doubled that. So, uh, it's, it's not a simple process and, uh, it's going to cost you a lot. And, uh, it, that doesn't necessarily mean money. I mean, now granted the salaries aren't luxurious, you know, you're not going to step into a minor league hockey team and make six figures. Uh, that's definitely not the case. It, uh, it's going to, you know, cost you free time, uh, that's a huge aspect and uh, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around that uh it's going to cost you time with friends time with family you're going to get separated uh you know you're not going to have a team unless you're extremely lucky in the city where you grew up you're going to have to do some traveling and uh during the course of your career you're going to have to be a nomad Uh, i've lived in all of those cities without knowing a single soul prior to moving to those cities that currently includes irvine where I'm in a bubble, so it doesn't really matter. But once this season's over and the bubble's done, I don't know anybody here. And I'm an hour and a half from the next person that I know. So it's it's taxing. That's tough, yeah. But it has some some positives from those experiences, I would imagine, as well, of meeting different people, learning about different cities and, and ways of life, and learning about yourself, too, I'm sure, in the process of, like, who are you and, and what else do you want in life, you know, along with this, um, you know, goal of a career uh, in the NHL as a broadcaster, play by play? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I truly love what I do. I mean, my my life is encompassed by calling hockey games. So it was uh, there was a moment. So we you know, when we finally got going and we were starting to play preseason, it was the goals versus the rain. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm just taking it in. First game in 11 months. And they're doing warm-ups and Byfield and Zegris and Drysdale and Thomas and um, Kaliev. They're all there, you know, all those big prospects in Southern California. And I almost got choked up because I was like, we're back. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing this for. And, you know, talking with some of the broadcasters. And then that goes to your point. Um, You know, I've met a lot of good people, broadcasters, players, like, you know, there's sides to these guys and coaches too, that not a lot of people know. I mean, like the families and the, you know, there's a moment that I'll never forget and I actually reflected on it with our current goaltender, Jeff Glass. He returned to the team. He was with the team during that championship, uh, the, the conference championship team, not conference championship, conference uh, final team where I saw uh, his little daughter who was maybe about one and a half, two at most. And I'm sure you two are familiar. 
when a team gets into the playoff, the, the wives like to make, you know, jackets for all the other wives and, and the little girls and, and that they have. And Jeff Glass's daughter was walking upstairs, you know, one by one with their little feet, one and a half, you know, a little glass jacket on with the glass name plate and, uh, you know, little stickers on the sleeves. And I'll never forget that. Like, it was just so darn cute. And I talked to him about it when he came back and he turned around and he pulled open his phone. He's like, yeah, that's my background. It's just her in that jacket. And he said, dude, that, that is like, that is just an unreal moment for me. Just seeing your daughter grow up. And now I've seen her again, two years later. And uh, it's just, uh, it's really cool how, how life continues on with players and not a lot of people see that side of them. And you had your own experiences as well with, interacting with the fans and having your own sort of superstitions with a high five story. Yes. Yes. Do you want to tell that story or no? No, I absolutely can. So uh, when I was in Greenville, uh, there was, and let me preface this by one of the loves for the job that I have is the kids getting a big kick out of enjoying the moment that they're in. And it's all because I remember back when I was a kid and the thrill that I had of St. Louis Blues hockey and getting an autograph from a player and just enjoying the game. So I saw this one little redheaded girl who was with uh, her parents. And I started to get to know the parents first, obviously, and then the family as a whole. And she was so involved in the team and she loved the players and she would be sad when they would lose. And it was, it was cute because, you know, life goes on. It's just the game. But was, oh, like, that's going to ruin the rest of her night. They lost. So I saw her one time in the concourse because in the ECHL, you know, you have to, in minor league hockey, you have to go through fans to get to the booth. So I saw her and I was like, M, high five. So she gave me a high five and I said, that's good luck. And then I went up to the booth. Well, we won. Well, then I got a message from one of the parents said, I think you just started something and now in believes that there is luck between your two having five. So we continued and then we lost one time and I said, well, we need to make it two high fives. So then it started to build into a tradition. And that was the year that we went to the conference finals. And I remember one time, like we went up to like 15 high fives and in the ECHL, I was doing 19 different things. And I was getting ready to kind of get up to the booth and it was like six minutes before warmups and I get there, I get settled and I was like, Oh no, I haven't given M her high fives yet. I know that she goes down by the tunnel to give the players fist bumps as they go onto the ice. So I was like, you know what? I got stuff to do, but I got to get the high fives in. So I just dropped what I did went down the elevator, went around the concourse, went down another elevator, get to the, by the locker room, came out the tunnel. And I'm like looking for, and like fans are like, oh, man, you know, I think we're going to win. And I'm like, I don't care what anybody has to say right now. Like, you know, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And I was like, good luck. See you. Went back up to the booth. She's going to remember that for the rest of her life. And, and so am I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. You know, hockey's about a community and it's, refreshing and I think interesting for people to hear that the broadcasters also have those moments and memories and experiences along with the fans like side by side and then also you know one-on-one with them and uh, 
you know, that's what Breezy and I love about this hockey community and what we miss about being able to go to games in person, especially, and, and just, you know, giving a high five is, you know, who knew, who knew we would be missing giving high fives so much, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, there's always, there's fans in every city and, uh, to intertwine with that too, the, the hockey history that I've been to in each city, you know, like I mentioned, Willie O'Ree, well, Utica has a pretty good hockey history. Same with Springfield. Springfield one of the oldest AHL franchises and you wouldn't believe the names that it went through there. And I've been lucky to touch all those cities. Who is your ultimate hockey hunk? <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist, dude's got style. The suit game is strong. Love that side. He just had an interview seven weeks, and I was like, God, that suit, man. I'm like, where did he get that? We're gonna get I'm like, I'm gonna get that suit. <laughs> Who is your favorite or ultimate hockey lady? It can be broadcaster or player or wife or anybody involved in the sport. But I'm gonna have to go with Haley Wickenheiser. Um, her dad meant a lot to the city, their name is ingrained in the city, and we all know she is a pioneer like unreal woman and then you know what i gotta give a, a 1a to man Rayon. yes because that that is uh that's a moment in my life i'll never forget was when she suited up for the tampa bay lightning they were actually playing the st louis blues and i think it was preseason and i remember it was televised too and i was just like this is awesome so so i gotta give her her a 1a and the final of the final three, and then the bonus asterisk question, I'm going to let Breezy ask you. <laughs> um, do you have a Sidney Crosby story? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, this is, uh, this is really good. I was an intern for the St. Louis Blues, and, uh, <laughs> boy, this is going to be a good one for you to post. I uh, was an intern for the St. Louis Blues, and I was doing errands, like running for the broadcast team. I'll go down to the offices and then go back all the way up, you know, seven floors up to the broadcast booth. And I would have to walk by the hallways, which would be behind all the locker rooms. So the Penguins would be sometimes outstretching and, uh, you know, the goalies would be throwing tennis balls against the wall. Well, Crosby was way off down the hallway where the Blues offices were. And I'm walking by him and I'm like, man, why is he way over here? I could easily lead pipe him right in the leg and no one would know. And the Blues could win this game. I I don't think it's worth my career. I'll keep walking. That was, I think that was a really good decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit. I talk about this often on the pod. I am a huge conspiracy theorist. I believe in aliens. Everything uh, in that matter, I guess. And so we've talked about it a few times on here, and apparently it's getting pretty popular. People like hearing the uh, the stories and whatnot. So do you have a uh, paranormal or extraterrestrial story? I do have one. Oh. I, I, I just, this escaped my mind, which, because I was thinking more hockey and like stuff that's happened um, in Wheeling, West Virginia, that hotel. My God, if you want to have a haunted story, something's going to develop in that ghost hotel. Um. So when I was in college, no, I was in high school still, I think. One of my friends lived in Illinois. And for those who don't know, St. Louis is right on the river. It's only 15 minutes to get to Illinois from St. Louis. So uh, my friend lived in Illinois. And around Halloween time, he took me to an area. I don't know what it was called, but it was like something, something haunted, haunted hill, haunted whatever. 
and it was notorious for being a really weird area and it was a rock road that took you up maybe about a quarter to a half a mile up a hill and uh then all of a sudden it was farmland as far as the eye could see and it was a very heavy wooded trail that you went up and then it was like texas chainsaw massacre with three houses one of which was a barn garage then a barn and then a old wooden house and i remember uh there was wind that was blowing in let's say winds coming in from the east the door was facing westbound and the door was open to this old abandoned house we decided to walk towards the wooden garage and when i say we i mean my my high school friend and then his little brother and we start to walk into the garage and we hear footsteps above and the only way up is just a straight up ladder like there's no staircase so we're we're starting to kind of freak out and my friend yells in the footsteps stop and uh now you can insert spooky music yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we're like, All right, should we go up and investigate? And like, what if it's somebody? And you know, we're walking up the ladder, and our heads are exposed, and our heads get chopped off. So we're not doing that. <laughs> so then the footsteps started moving again, and much more frantically. So we're like, "All right, let's get out of here." So we start booking it back to the car. I look up at the house at the second level where those footsteps were coming from, and I saw a white figure. I looked to my left where that door was. The door was closed. There's no way the wind could have blown it closed because of the direction that the wind was coming in. So those two freaked me out. We get back in the car. My friend's younger brother is as white as my shirt because he is younger. He's freaking out. Everything we witnessed was just a phenomenon. And we got in there and got the hell out of there. We went yeah. back and we told my friend's dad. He's like, it was just some homeless person. We're like, uh, okay. We believe you, Andy. The figure that I saw, like, it didn't really have any transparency to it. It was, it was just a white blur. Breezy, hmm. what's your analysis? Well, I mean, the Midwest could be a little creepy with uh, <laughs> just the, the <laughs> amount of land that's there. And uh, there's obviously a lot of battlegrounds that are there maybe in that area i don't know um <laughs> what are you even talking about at this point i don't, I don't know i really do you, don't know do you think <laughs> the white general george Patton came up to the midwest and was haunting you on the halloween night that maybe maybe yes i don't know i think that's what she's getting at <laughs> i think i think that's what i'm getting at yeah no oh, that's creepy i don't know i would be uh i'd be scared but I'm all into that stuff. So I'd be like, oh my God, I need to see it. Like, let's just sit there and see if like anything else happens. On that note, let's wrap this note. up and tell everybody where they can both hear you um, on broadcasts and where they can follow you on social media. So we have two television partners. Uh, we have Fox 5 San Diego and CW San Diego. We are the only American Hockey League team to have two primary AHL TV affiliates. So uh, we're on channel 19.2. We are on some good stations here in San Diego. So those are where our televised games are. We're always on the Gulls Audio Network. You can just download the San Diego Gulls mobile app for that. We have a weekly television show uh, that is on Fox 5 San Diego. Sorry, bi-weekly television show on Fox 5 San Diego. Uh, we have a one-hour radio show called SoCal Hockey Talk, which is on Extra 1360. 
that features guys like Wayne Gretzky, Timu Solani, Doc Emmerich. I don't know if you've heard of them. Chris Chelio, the list goes on. So uh, that is a weekly radio show that we have every Monday. And then uh, finally, my social media, Andy underscore Zilch for Twitter and Andy Zilch for Instagram. It's been a pleasure, ladies. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.